This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, June fifteenth, two thousand and twenty-three. Thanks for spending some time with us here this morning on Sports Country Radio. Big day today: the U.S. Open golf tournament begins at the L.A. Country Club. Um, Brooks Kepka was quoted the uh, the other day of saying that uh, he enjoys chaos. <laughs> well, if he enjoys chaos, he might be the odds-on favorite. Even the, you know, despite the fact, I mean, he's playing his ass off anyway. But he's probably the odds-on favorite to win if he likes chaos. Because what a what a zoo the PGA has become uh, with this whole situation with the. Uh, the merger that, by the way, Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA, says is not really a merger. Um, I don't know what the hell you call it, but uh, he says that it's not a merger. Um, but with uh, with the money coming in from Saudi Arabia and the PGA kind of taking control of golf, and then Jay Monahan himself checked himself. I guess he went to the hospital with some kind of medical emergency. Not sure what that's all about. Uh, he has uh, turned over day-to-day operations to somebody else in the in the short term. Uh, man, it's just a lot of stuff going on. And then yesterday, uh, Elizabeth Warren and uh, Ron Wyden in the Senate asked the Attorney General of the United States, Mark Garland, to review the deal between the PGA, uh, the Live Tour. Uh, the European Tour, and, of course, the Saudi PIF Investment Group to find out if it somehow is in violation of federal antitrust laws. Uh, and, look, you, you, can't, you can't discount that because, essentially, what happens now is that the PIF Group led, of course, by the crown prince from Saudi Arabia and Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, essentially control golf, not just in this country, but around most of the world. You know, leaving off the, uh, obviously, you know, some of the independent tours like the Japan Tour and uh, the Sunshine Tour down in South Africa. But they, that group now controls golf. And so... And look, here's the thing, and this is this is to me, this is where Elizabeth Warren lost me a little bit. You know, she's concerned about federal antitrust laws, and then they write in there about the uh, the Saudi government's efforts to what they call sport washing their human rights record um, by you know getting involved in 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 sports in not just here in golf but in uh, soccer and in other sports around the world 
to erase their human rights record. But at the same time, the U.S. government, uh, by the way, is still conducting arms deals with Saudi Arabia. We still have a presence in their country. Our troops are still there. Our Air Force is still there. Um, we're in bed with the Saudis, you know, as much as you can be. And why? Well, <laughs> oil. Hey, shocking. Uh, that and, and the fact that they're a bit of a buffer between us and Iran and uh, Iraq and everything else going on over there. But, you know, the U.S. government, on the one hand, is in bed with Saudi Arabia. And on the other hand, they want to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You can't be. And, you know, on the face of it, that seems a little hypocritical. But there's been a lot of hypocrisy going around with the uh, the whole golf thing, right? I mean, you know, Jay Monahan, who, uh, you know, a year ago is uh, excoriating the LIV tour and the players that went over there saying that, you know, you're in bed with murderers and stuff like that. And then, but money talks. So anyway, so there's plenty of chaos going on. Uh, it ought to be a fun to a pairing today. By the way, Brooks Kepka is actually... Uh, paired with Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy, who was, of course, one of the biggest critics of not just the Live Tour, but the players that left to go to that tour. Uh, so that ought to be fun. I mean, the good news is they have uh, Hideki Matsuyama in the group. He could maybe He's going to maybe be Switzerland between the two of them so they don't have to interact much. But, uh, and, and, but as I, you know, look, at the end of the day, uh, I can't remember who said this, but once the balls start going up in the air, once they start teeing off, a lot of this stuff goes away. And this is an interesting course that they're on. Uh, a lot of hills, uh, a lot of strange uh, uh, geographical things. It's going to be an interesting test. Uh, there's there's two par threes that are 284 yards or longer. I think one of them is over 300 yards. That's a poke. I mean, the average golfer... If I'm going out, by the way, uh, a 300-yard par three for me—that's a—that's not a par three. That's that's par four. Because the average golfer isn't hitting the ball 300 yards off the tee. The average golfer, you're—you know, honestly, the average golfer, a guy like me or you know somebody down the street that that plays a little bit of golf, if you if you hit the ball 225, 230, 240. You feel pretty damn good about yourself. If you hit it 300, there's probably a gale blowing behind you. I mean, the average golfer just isn't hitting the ball that far. Uh, so that'll be interesting. And then there's one hole that could play as short as like 90 yards. 90 yards! <laughs> so, you know, it'll be interesting. Uh, and uh, as Max Homa put it, the one thing to remember at the U.S. Open, because remember, the rough's going to be high, and, and again, this course has some some funky little things to it. The one thing to remember when you play a U.S. Open is that a bogey is okay. You know, we traditionally see scores in U.S. Opens where the majority of players are over par. There have been a few exceptions to that, but by and large, a U.S. Open course is a bitch. So it'll be interesting to see... Uh, uh, how the players navigate not just the course, uh, but whether they're able to drown out all the noise of everything else that's been going on around the PGA Tour right now. So uh, that'll be the fun to watch. And if you like watching golf, it's going to be on pretty much all night. It's going to be on to 11 o'clock tonight from 1 o'clock this afternoon because of the three-hour time difference out in Los Angeles. Uh, so there'll be plenty of golf on if you want to watch it all day today. Um 
in the police blotter news, we hadn't heard of Trevor Stories. Uh, I mean, Trevor Story. Ooh, sorry, Trevor. Trevor Bauer uh, in a while, but he, guess what? He's been accused of sexual assault by yet another woman. In uh, this time in Arizona, but uh, Bauer has uh, denied it, and he has countersued the woman. Uh, she's claiming that he held a knife to her throat, choked her till she passed out during a rape that left her pregnant back in 2020. Now, Bauer said that uh, they had one consensual uh, uh, encounter, and after that, she said she was pregnant. She tried to extort him for money. Um, and so, uh, again, it's another, he said, she said he has never been charged with anything. He actually filed a criminal complaint against the woman that she was trying to extort him. So, uh, what a mess, you know, and he's in Japan, uh, not pitching well in Japan, probably never coming back to the MLB tour. I cannot imagine a scenario where any team at this point would want to touch him. I cannot. I mean, look at the furor that the Red Sox just had to put up with um, last week when they brought up Matt Dermody from the minors. And, of course, they hadn't done their due diligence, and they come to find out that he had posted a whole bunch of uh, homophobic things and about how people that are gay are going to hell and everything else. And uh, and there was a lot of other examples. They've Since then, more more old tweets have popped up. Uh, just think about the fury that the, the Red Sox had to put up with that. Can you imagine if somebody wanted to sign Trevor Bauer again? Oh, my Lord. And I know he wasn't charged with anything in Los Angeles. He wasn't charged with anything uh, in this situation here uh, in Arizona. There was another woman in Cleveland that claimed something. He was never charged with anything there. But talk about a guy that is kryptonite. So he's never coming back. Um, and yesterday, North the North Carolina governor state that I now live in, uh, signed a bill that allows um, online sports betting and eventually in-person sports betting and horse racing betting here in the state of North Carolina. Uh, This is going to take place uh, sometime by the middle of next year. So uh, the gambling fever, I guess you could call it, across the United States continues and uh, I'm telling you, it is just a matter of time uh, before we have I, – I don't see how at some point we don't have game-fixing allegations. I just – I don't see it. Uh, especially – how about yesterday in light of news now? They haven't named the name, but Mike Florio yesterday, uh, who is uh, uh, on the podcast Pro Football Talk, reported yesterday that one NFL player lost million from gambling in 2022. Uh, He didn't disclose the the name of the player. Maybe he doesn't even know who it is, but I guess he got this uh, through the NFL at at some some way. Um, And this is after the NFL has suspended five players, four of them from the Detroit Lions for uh, sports betting. Uh, there's a guy from the Colts that's been investigated for his uh, what they've called pervasive sports betting. You know, this is look, allowing players to gamble at all is not a good idea. As I've said before, I worked in colleges um, in college sports for 25 years. And one thing that was hammered home to me time after time after time in 25 years is you are not allowed to bet 
at all. You are not allowed to enter uh, NCAA uh, pools, you know, for the Final Four or March Madness pools. You are not allowed to gamble on anything, period. And it should be that, look, but now all these leagues are in bed. We've talked about this until the cows come home. You know, we now have sports books opening up in Major League Baseball stadiums. You know, none of the leagues used to allow a team to be in Vegas, right? Now everybody's going to Vegas. We already have, you know, the Las Vegas Golden Knights who just won the NHL Stanley Cup. We have the Las Vegas Raiders, and we are soon to have the Las Vegas A's. How long before an NBA team relocates to Vegas? But, you know, as uh, look, Charles Barkley was once famously quoted saying uh, that uh, gambling is not a problem if you can afford it, <laughs> which is probably one of the reasons why I'm not a gambler. And, and look, if you as the average American want to go out and gamble your hard-earned money and take the risk of losing money, go for it. You know what? It is your right, just as it's your right, to go down the street and buy a bottle of whiskey. If you want, if you want to go to the <coughs> casino and gamble, that is your right. Go for it. But it should not be the right of any professional athlete to be able to gamble, period. It, that needs to be a hard line in the sand because these leagues have to be above reproach. As soon as we have a game-fixing scandal in one of these leagues, it's the legitimacy of everything that happens, not just in that league, but in every other sports league, goes right down the toilet. And that, folks, that is not hyperbole. You know, if there was evidence that an NFL player, you know, helped throw a game or, or adjust the point spread, so to speak, so that, you know, they could make a killing. Everything, anything that's even slightly iffy all of a sudden is going to become a major issue. And every other sport will be looked at in a different light. How many times have we watched an NFL game? And, and at the end of a game, a team is winning and they'll decide not to score. The running back will get a ball and he'll decide not to score and he'll slide down at the one or two yard line to keep the clock moving and, uh, uh, and have the game go over, you know, have the game end. And, we, and how many times have we seen people scream, oh, my God, no, I needed that score to, to just, you know, I could have won my bet if he had just scored that touchdown. Hey, I'm telling you, this is what you're opening yourself up for. But now another state has gotten on board. It's just a matter of time before all 50 states are on board and everybody's gambling. And uh, but, it, but it is also there should be no surprise from anybody when the first scandal comes down. And, and I'm not rooting for that. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not trying to be Mr. Gloom and Doom, but it, this is just it's 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 just a pragmatic look at things. You, you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to to realize that you keep putting this temptation in front of people. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. You know, and again, I, I don't care if, you know, Jimmy down the street wants to go gamble. Knock yourself out. But these leagues have got to get tougher on these players. I applaud the NFL for suspending these guys. 
I applaud it. And and I you know, I hope they're I hope all the leagues are doing their due diligence on this. You know, the problem is is you can do a lot of stuff anonymously and you know, who's to say that an NFL player isn't giving the money to his brother to gamble for him? I mean we don't you know, we don't know. But these leagues need to make it clear that it will not be tolerated, period. And there needs to be, you know, some more diligence like the NFL. You know, I guarantee you there's, a, there's Major League Baseball players doing it. I guarantee you there's NBA players doing it. And, you know, these leagues need to get tough, and they need to make sure this doesn't happen because it really worries me. Okay, off my soapbox. Um, the Red Sox win last night. And look, uh, for a long time, it wasn't looking good last night. Um, you know, I was beside myself when you're going into a game last night and you're facing Austin Gomber, who is coming into the game with an ERA of seven and a half. You know, and you already know they've given Rafi Devers the night off. Masa Yoshida gets the night off. But. It's Austin Gomber. He's got an ERA of seven and a half. You're going to score a ton of runs. It's okay, right? You can give him the night off. Through six innings, the Red Sox had four hits and one run against this guy. And you're just like, what am I watching? And it looked like another one of these nights where the Red Sox were going to find a way to lose a game that they had no business losing. And I know the Red Sox are not the 1927 Yankees, this version of the Red Sox. I get it. You know, this is probably a 500 team. They teased us when they got themselves like seven games over 500, and they made us start to believe, those of us that follow this team. So I get it that they are not, you know, a juggernaut. But they're still only five games out of a wild card spot right now. The entire American League East, you know, with the Rays in first place, Baltimore in second, the Yankees in third. All three of those teams are playoff teams right now. Baltimore and New York are wild card teams. Toronto is one game. One game out of the last wild card spot currently held by Houston. And the Red Sox are five back. So it's not out of the realm of possibility they could sneak in the playoffs. Should they, you know, I mean, I, you know, they're not going very far. But hey. They still got to be better than the last place Colorado Rockies, and they end up losing two out of three. But so for six innings, Austin Gomber looks like, you know, uh, the second coming of Steve Carlton. They finally get to him in the seventh inning, and actually it wasn't just him they got to. They got a couple of singles um, off of him in the uh, the seventh inning. Back-to-back singles by Kike Hernandez and Tristan Casas. So they they go out and get Gomber, who has given them far more than they could have hoped for. And they bring in uh, Suter, who then proceeds to walk Connor Wong to load the bases. And then a sacrifice fly by Pablo Reyes. Hallelujah. Right? Now the Red Sox are, are you know, are in the game. And then Rob Refsnyder hits a ball out to right field. And look, the Colorado Rockies outfield had made t- great play after great play in this series. Well, they finally missed one. 
He hit one out towards uh, Nolan Jones in right field. It was a sinking line drive. Jones went down, tried to make a play on it. And when you look at the replay, it actually looks like he damn, he just missed the ball. It skipped underneath his glove, went all the way to the wall. Ref Snyder with a triple. Duran a long score. Red Sox are ahead 4-2. to two. Hallelujah. You know, and then they go and get Peter Lambert out of the bullpen. He gives up an RBI single to Justin Turner. Verdugo with a double. It's 6-2. And the Red Sox end up winning the game. But it was a hell of a lot harder than it should have been. Garrett Whitlock was great. I think any questions about whether Garrett Whitlock is better in the bullpen or as a starting pitcher are over. Um, And look, I was one of the guys that liked the idea of Whitlock being in the bullpen. But I'm also a guy that thought that Corey Kluber was going to be able to give them innings this year. So it shows you what I know. But Whitlock was great last night. Seven innings, six hits, two runs. And really, the two runs he gave up, it was just a matter of he gave up a couple of hard back-to-back hits, a, a single and a double off the wall. And uh, But other than that, he was great. Struck out seven, walked one. ZRA is down to 4.36 now. The Red Sox starting pitchers continue to pitch well, with the exception of the uh, egg laid the other night by Cutter Crawford. Um in their last 26 starts, Red Sox pitchers have an ERA of three and a half. That's pretty damn good. So, solid win last night. Uh, they'll have the day off today, and then the Yankees come in on the weekend. And uh, Tanner Houck will pitch this weekend. Brian Bale will pitch on Saturday. And uh, James Paxton will pitch on Sunday. The good news is is they will miss um, Garrett Cole. Because Garrett Cole pitched last night for the Yankees against the Mets in the second game of the Subway Series. And uh, Cole went against Justin Verlander, and they were both really good. Verlander hasn't been very good. Cole's been great. But they both went six innings. They both gave up one run. They both struck out. Well, Cole struck out eight. Verlander struck out six. And neither one of them walked the guy. So... Just what you wanted, just what you expected. I mean, Verlander's pitch count got high. He threw 107 pitches in six innings. Cole threw 95 in six innings. So they were they were gone in the seventh. Um, but a great pitcher's duel. So the Red Sox won't have to see Garrett Cole. The Mets come back to win that game last night, 4-3. to three. It was a game that was uh, a, a bunch of uh, mistakes made by the Mets. A couple of errors in the game, but they overcome them. I mean, the Yankees scored twice without having a hit. The Yankees stole home. Isaiah kind of falefa stole home last night. And the Mets also had a guy called for a shift violation. It's only the second time all season that a team has been called for a shift violation. And the, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, you know, now you can't just move your guys around the infield any way you want. Two guys have to be on the left side of second, and two guys have to be on the right side of second. But McNeil was called for a shift violation. His right foot was actually straddling the third base side of second base. So he's normally the second baseman for the Mets, and he was uh, playing up the middle, but his right foot was on the wrong side of the bag, and he got called for a violation. Um, you know, and and McNeil said it's ticky-tack. But it's not ticky-tack. It's the rule. 
the same way that, you know, we have a pitch clock. It's the rule. And it's made a difference in baseball, and I am, you know, I love it. I'm so glad that they did this. I really am. Um, so the Mets made a lot of mistakes, but they still end up winning the game because Brandon Nimmo hits a double off the wall in the 10th inning. And uh, the Mets win the game by a final of 4-3. to three. Nimmo with two hits, two runs batted in in the game, uh, now hitting two eighty nine in the season. Uh, look, it was a great pitcher's duel um, through the first six innings and then uh, just a kind of a, a little bit of a circus going on after that. But uh, the Mets win the game. Hey, look, it's the win that the Mets desperately needed. Uh, they are still struggling like mad. They have still only won two out of their last 11 games. They sit 10 games behind the Atlanta Braves, but they're only four games out of the wild card, and that's, you know, uh, again, like the Red Sox, right? I mean, and you know what? Think about this. The Mets have spent $355 million. The Red Sox have a better record than the New York Mets right now. Uh, so uh, both those teams uh, are off today. Uh, and the Mets will uh, take on St. Louis this weekend, and the Yankees, of course, come to Boston. It'll be Domingo Herman um, against uh, uh, Tanner Houck tomorrow night. It is 31 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. Normalcy has been returned uh, to the American League the uh, Tampa Bay Rays snap a brief two-game losing streak and snap the Oakland A's seven-game winning streak uh, as Tampa beats Oakland last night by a final of 6-3. to three. Oakland actually led this game 3-1 uh, going into the fifth inning, but a three-run fifth inning for Tampa. Uh, the difference, uh, Josh Lowe uh, with a uh, go-ahead single in the fifth inning, and uh, uh, the Rays win it. The Rays are the only team, by the way, this year in the majors that have not lost three games in a row. Um, and and by the way, the uh, Rays, or excuse me, the A's who drew 28,000 the night before on that uh, quote-unquote reverse boycott night, well, <laughs> normalcy returned to the Oakland Athletics for last night. 7,055 people was the announced attendance. Uh, so uh, Oakland now 19 and 51 uh, they are percentage points ahead of the Kansas City Royals for the worst record <laughs> in baseball. Oh, my God. Uh, and those two teams will play again today. Taj Bradley looking for his fifth win for Tampa. It'll be Paul Blackburn uh, who will take the mound for the Oakland Athletics tonight. But, uh, you know... <laughs> The fact that Oakland had won the first two games from the Rays, it was like it was uh, unreal. And last night, the uh, the Blue Jays beat the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, look, that was a one that they needed. They had not beaten the Orioles all season. They had lost the first four games, uh, but last night the Blue Jays win it three to one. Uh, Jose Barrios was great. Carried a no hitter into the seventh inning. Um, he had allowed two base runners through the first six, a walk and a hit batter, but then Adley Rutschman leads off the seventh inning uh, with a base hit, and uh, the end of the uh, no-hit bid was there. There's only been one other no-hitter 
in Blue Jay history. That was uh, Dave Steeb had it uh, all the way back in 1990. Uh, but then Baltimore got a couple of singles off Barrios in the eighth inning. They finally uh, pulled him out, and then Tim Mesa came in, got Gunnar Henderson on a ground ball to keep them ahead uh, 3 nothing. Uh, the uh, Orioles didn't end up getting a run in the ninth, but uh, uh, a solid win for them last night. Jordan Romano picked up his 19th save despite giving up that run in the uh, ninth inning. So the Blue Jays, uh, with the victory, now sit at 38-31. and 31. They're 10 games back of the Rays, but as I said a minute ago, they are just uh, a game out of that last wild card spot. Uh, the series finale is today. Yusei Kikuchi uh, is 6-2. and two. He will take the mound for the Blue Jays. And Tyler Wells, 5-2 and two with a 3-2-4 ERA, looking for his third straight victory. He beat uh, San Francisco and Kansas City in his uh, last two outings. So uh, a win for the uh, Blue Jays last night. The Texas Rangers sitting in first place in the National League West. They beat the Angels last night 6-3. Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, back-to-back home runs, which is exactly why the Rangers signed those guys. Uh, Simeon with a 2-for-5 night. He had been in a bit of a slump. Remember he had like a 25-game hitting streak uh, that ended last week? Uh, He was hitless in his last 15 at-bats and 3-for-28 since that huge hitting streak. Uh, So uh, he kind of snapped out of his funk a little bit last night. Andrew Heaney got the start for the Rangers, only pitched into the fourth inning, but a great job by the bullpen. They did give up a couple of consolation runs on a home run to Shohei Otani in the ninth inning. By the way, uh, Shohei Otani now uh, has 21 bombs. 21. Uh, you think he's going to win the MVP? He's also five and two with a three-two-two ERA, and you know, with all the time that uh, Aaron Judge has spent on the injured list again this year, unless something happens to Shohei Otani, it seems to me that's a foregone conclusion that he is going to be the MVP. And uh, I don't, I don't even know how to argue it anymore. And 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 uh, what he's doing is something that we have never seen in baseball before. I wanted to I wanted to poo-poo it and everybody comparing him to Babe Ruth, and I still think we need to calm down with the comparisons to Babe Ruth um, because Babe Ruth is a better hitter uh, than Otani ever will be. Um, you know, look, he's still hitting 300, but Babe Ruth is just – he's in another class by himself. And you can say, well, you can't compare errors, and, you know, you may have a point. But Babe Ruth never pitched and hit – consistently in a season. He did it occasionally. But when he was a pitcher, he was a pitcher. And when he went to the Yankees, he was strictly an outfielder. So Shohei Otani is doing something that we have never seen before. And he's not just doing it. He is doing it uh, at an an incredible level. Absolutely incredible level. Um, The Angels end up losing. They left 10 runners on base. Uh, They had their three-game winning streak snapped. And uh, they now sit at 38 and 32. They're still six games over 500. And look, I don't think anybody really thought that they would be where they are at this point. Uh, that pitching staff is still a little bit shaky. Reed Detmers got the start last night, gave him a hell of a start. Uh, six innings, just three hits and a run. Uh, but he still got an ERA of four and a half, uh, d- even after what he did last night. But Jimmy Herget came out of the bullpen and coughed it up. Uh, and Tucker Davidson had the same issues as well. Um, so I don't, I don't think a lot of people thought that the angels would be six games over 500 at this point, but they're only a game and a half back 
of the wild card as well. So uh, we're shaping up for a pretty good race uh, in the uh, AL West for the rest of the season. Nate Evaldi is going to get the start for the Rangers in the series finale today. Uh, Nate Evaldi is 9-2. Nine 9-2. and, two. Nine and two. Former Boston Red Sox hurler from last year, and the Red Sox didn't figure he was worth re-signing. He is nine and two with a two point four, a two point four nine ERA. Unbelievable! In his last ten starts, he is eight and zero with two complete games and an ERA of one point six. But the Red Sox, nah, we don't, we don't, we don't need Nate Valdi. We we'd much rather have, we would much rather have uh, Corey Kluber. And Nick Pavetta. God, we'd much rather have them. So, uh, look, Evaldi's going to have his hands full tonight. He's going up against Shohei Otani, who is 5-2 with a 3-2-2 ERA. But uh, he is winless in his last four starts on the mound, uh, and uh, he has not fared well in Texas. He's 2-1 and one there, but he's got an ERA of almost 6. So, But uh, Nate Evaldi's going to have to pitch his rear end off to, uh, to uh, beat Shohei Otani tonight. But, uh, again... Great race in that division uh, between them and the Angels and the Houston Astros. The Astros last night uh, come back to beat the Washington Nationals. Uh, Houston wins it 5-4. to four. Um, Jose Otuve, 1-for-3 last night. Jose Abreu, the big star, 3-for-4. Uh, three runs batted in. And uh, it looks like he's finally – look, he has struggled. He didn't hit his first home run as a Houston Astro until a couple of weeks ago. He's now got four. Uh, he's still only hitting two thirty-three, but the, that adjustment coming from Chicago to Houston, I think, was a lot more difficult than most people thought it was going to be. Uh, uh, Josiah Gray got the start for the Nationals last night. Went seven innings, but gave up four runs. Uh, but Framber Valdez, another quality start for the Houston Astros. Seven uh, innings, five hits, one run. Lowered his ERA to two point two seven. Ryan Presley ends up getting the uh, win out of the bullpen. Uh, he blows the save, uh, but uh, ends up getting the win out of the bullpen as the Astros win it in the ninth inning with a uh, run in the bottom of the ninth, and uh, Presley picks up his first victory of the season. Uh, that series will conclude today. Mackenzie Gore, 3-5 and five with a 4.04 ERA, will get the start for the Nationals. And Christian Javier, who is and 7-1, We'll get the start for the Houston Astros in that game today. Uh, so we just talked about Nate Valdi with the Texas Rangers with nine wins. Michael Walker pitched for the San Diego Padres last night. Another guy that was on the Boston Red Sox last night. Nah, we don't need him. No. Michael Walker six and two thirds shutout innings last night. Struck out five, walk one, only gave up four hits. Picks up his seventh victory of the season. Lowers his ERA to 2.89. So Nathan Avaldi and Michael Walker are a combined 16 and four, with an ERA under three. And these are guys that Heimblum let walk. I'm just going to leave that there as the Red Sox are trying to decide whether to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. And whether Heim Bloom is the guy to lead this team into 2024 or not, let's remember that this is the guy that let 16 and 4 and an ERA of under 3 
walk away to sign Corey Kluber, who has been so bad that the Red Sox had to put him in the bullpen, and then bringing him out of the bullpen has been a disaster as well. So I'm just going to leave that right there. Uh, Manny Machado and the cheater, Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, had two of four Padre home runs last night as they beat the Cleveland Guardians uh, 5 to nothing. Uh, Aaron Savali, the kid from Connecticut, got the start. Did not go very far in this one, was uh, knocked out in the fourth inning. But uh, Fernando Tatis, by the way, uh, 14 home runs. I don't care if he hits 1,400 home runs in his career. He's never going into the Hall of Fame. He failed a drug test, period. End of story. He will always be a cheater. And, you know, this is a guy that has a chip on his shoulder. And this is a guy that when fans start jeering him, he, like, you know, encourages them to jeer them more. But, you know, I have no time for cheaters, you know. And, and, and again, my line in the sand has always been, if you fail a drug test, you know, if you, if you are in Major League Baseball after testing and you fail the test, you're done. If you were in Major League Baseball prior to testing, they can have all the anecdotal evidence that they want, but you technically did not break a rule. You technically did nothing wrong. It's no different than the guys in the 70s that were pitching on amphetamines and on cocaine. You know, at the end of the day, unless you break a rule, it should not preclude you from going into the Hall of Fame. But Fernando Tatis can hit 800 home runs, and like Barry Bonds, and Barry Bonds, look, again, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, guys that are not in the Hall of Fame because people keep holding PED use against them. Um, it's wrong. It's wrong. You know, and uh, Roger Clemens uh, was actually uh, found not guilty. of the, People tried to get him for lying in front of a judge about PED use, and guess what? He was exonerated on that too. So, you know, say whatever you want. If, if you, if, if, no matter what you were accused of doing, you know, same like same thing with Mike Piazza and Jeff Bagwell. These are guys that had PED use uh, rumors sniffing around him forever. David Ortiz had PED use sniffing around him forever. David Ortiz never failed a drug test. Uh, he was named in one report, and eventually the commissioner said, "Yeah, yeah, but never mind about that." <laughs> and Jeff Bagwell and Mike Piazza were in the league before there was drug testing. You just, you can't, you cannot hold guys accountable for things that they didn't technically break any rules. But Fernando Tatis did. Robinson Cano did. You know, Manny Ramirez did. You know, so they're, those guys, you know, they're never making the Hall of Fame no matter what they did. Um, the finale of that series between the Padres and the Guardians today, Logan Allen gets the start for Cleveland. It'll be you, Darvish, looking for his sixth win of the season starting for the Padres. It is 46 minutes past the hour. We're going to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. Um, the Los Angeles Dodgers lose again yesterday. They fall to 38 and 30. They have lost seven of 10. Uh, they still trail the Arizona Diamondbacks in the National League West by three games. They lose to the White Sox yesterday, despite the fact that the White Sox starting pitcher Mike Clevenger 
left the game in the fifth inning. He had some right bicep soreness. Um, finished the pitch, and it was like, yeah, something's not right, and they came and got him. And then they got their manager, uh, Pedro Grifol, got uh, ejected uh, for the third time this season in the sixth inning is uh, arguing with the home plate umpire. And uh, But uh, they come back, and they beat the Dodgers 8-4. Clint Frazier, the single home to go-ahead run in the eighth inning, and the White Sox have been a train wreck this year, but uh, they're starting to play better baseball. They have won six of the last ten uh, but the Dodgers, still eight games over 500, but definitely uh, uh, underachieving right now. Dylan Cease is going to pitch the series finale today, and uh, he is 3-3 three and three with a 4-3 ERA. And Michael Grove, uh, who has an ERA of <laughs> eight, is going to get the start um, for the Dodgers in this one. Uh, the Pirates still lead the NL Central by a game. Uh, they're only 34 and 32. The Pirates lost yesterday to the Cubs uh, by a final of 10 to six. Uh, the Cubs with a six-run sixth inning. The difference in this one, they scored six runs in the sixth and then three more in the eighth uh, to blow this game wide open. And uh, Drew Smiley didn't pitch well for the Cubs, but ends up getting the victory because the bats got going. But Dansby Swanson, uh, two hits in that six-run sixth inning. He started the inning off with a single and then finished it off with an RBI single as well. He ended up with three hits in the game and two runs batted in. Uh, that NL Central is just gross. I mean, the Central Division in both leagues is a mess. I mean, in the uh, NL Central, the Pirates 34-32, and 32, and the Brewers lose yesterday, so they are now at 500. And then in the AL Central... Minnesota leads the division. They're 35 and 33, and then Cleveland in second place, five games under 500. So both central divisions in both leagues are just brutal. Uh, who's not brutal? The Atlanta Braves. Uh, the Braves uh, sweep a doubleheader from the Detroit Tigers yesterday. The Braves have now won eight of ten. Uh, they got moved to 22 and 11 on the road. 22 and 11. The Braves have the best road record in all of baseball. And uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. just continues uh, to amaze. He hit his 15th home run in the third inning of the second game. It was a bomb, went 461 feet. He's got, of his home runs this year, of his, of his 15 homers, I mean, he just continues to hit tape measure jobs. Matter of fact, in his career now, they say he has 11 homers of 460 feet or more, which is the second most by any player in the StatCast era, which is uh, uh, since, what, 2015, I guess, when they started uh, actually tracking distances. The only guy with more is John Carlos Stanton uh, from the Yankees. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, by the way, had a home run yesterday for the Tigers uh, in game number one. The first home run of the year. Of course, this is his final season in Major League Baseball. He is retiring at the end of the year. The 508th of his career. Uh, and uh, he uh, hit a double in the ninth inning, and uh, he had a three-hit game. He now has uh, 3,114 hits. He is one hit shy of tying Alex Rodriguez uh, for 21st on the all-time list. So uh, the Braves continue to roll. Uh, the Marlins win yesterday, so they stay four and a half back. And the Mets, uh, despite that win yesterday, ten games back. 
10 games back. Uh, I mentioned the Twins. They beat the Brewers yesterday 4-2. to two. Uh, Bailey Ober picks up the win for the Twins. Six solid innings, gave up just two runs, struck out seven, and walked one. His fourth win of the season. And uh, the uh, the Minnesota Twins moved to two games over 500. And uh, as I said, the Braves with the wins. The Diamondbacks lose. Uh, Diamondbacks still lead the NL West by three games, but the Phillies beat them yesterday. The final in that one was 4-3. to three. Um, JT Real Muto, his seventh home run of the season for the Phillies. And uh, Craig Kimbrell picks up his fifth win of the season out of the bullpen. Still has an ERA of five, but he's picked up five wins out of the bullpen. Um, Ranger Suarez got the start for the Phillies, was really, really good. Seven shutout innings, only allowed four hits. Lowered his ERA to 3.82 on the season. Uh, But the Phillies still looking up at the Atlanta Braves eight games back. Um, that is going to do it for us here this morning. We are not going to have a show uh, tomorrow. Uh, my wife has the uh, next couple of days off, so we have uh, some projects to do. We're going to I'm going to do some painting. I can hardly I hate painting, but we're going to be doing some painting uh, tomorrow, so I will not be here tomorrow. So we will be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I hope everybody has a great weekend. We're going to leave you this morning uh, with some music from the Zach Brown Band. This is called I Play the Road. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.